All right, guys, I want to tell you about my absolute favorite CBD product ever. It's called Wave, and their whole family farm is USDA certified organic, as well as all the hemp they use for their products in Colorado. They do their own extraction exclusively using supercritical CO2. In layman's terms, that means there's zero solvents or nasty shit that you'll find in the product. It's absolutely amazing. Their MCT oil-based products and their water-soluble products are all USDA certified organic. Again, they're getting the very best possible. I certainly feel a difference. It helps me reduce inflammation. CBD is one of the ways that I came off of using things like ibuprofen and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I think CBD is nature's medicine. Speaking of nature's medicine, we've given it to our son before when he had uh, a head injury. We used that as a part of Dr. Dan Engel's protocol, and we've also used it for uh, boosting the immune system when he gets run down. I think it is phenomenal. It helps me with sleep. It helps me get rid of the kinks and the old nagging injuries from fighting in football. If you want to learn more, go to wave.com. That's W-A-A-Y-B.com and use code word Kyle at checkout for 10% off. All right, y'all, I have a fucking huge announcement to make. One of the products that I first started working on in product development right when I got to Onnit is a product called Total Nitric Oxide, and it's exactly what you think it is. It is a product designed to give you a great pump, increase cardio, and make you feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger while you're working out. Total Nitric Oxide works by helping circulation via the NO pathway activation. It aids in delivery of oxygen and nutrients to working tissue, and it supports cellular integrity. Boosting your body's nitric oxide production is like shifting into a higher gear during intense exercise, ensuring that your muscles are provided with the oxygen and nutrients needed while removing excess waste that may cause fatigue, promoting performance, recovery, and growth. It also doubles as a bedroom pump. So when you're getting ready to get in there with the missus, I have a scoop about 30 minutes before, and you bring your best foot forward for the lady. Uh, if you catch my drift. Most nitric oxide products in the market suck balls. They are all uh, loaded with extra shit in them, caffeine, stimulants, and artificial flavors, colorings. Obviously, anything coming from on it is going to be all natural. This is amazing. We use fermented beetroot, oxyphite grapeseed extract, oxyphite apple extract, acerola cherry extract in the proprietary blend, citrulline malate, arginine nitrate, NO3, Tea is a very special form of arginine and careflow, which is fermented mango fruit powder. The fermented mango fruit powder is the kicker. It is an incredibly powerful polyphenol, which helps upregulate your body's ability to make nitric oxide from the other products within this product. All these things have a synergy. All these things are on purpose and by design. We practice testing this out for the better part of a year and, uh, it takes a while to get out, but here it is. I'm fucking long-awaited total nitric oxide for performance and pump. You can stack it with any other pre-workout. I stack it with the total keto daily. Some of the people here stack it with total strength and performance or just creatine and glutamine. Whatever you want to stack it with, completely stackable, and it's one of the best products we've ever put out on the market. I know you guys are going to dig it. For 10% off, go to onit.com slash Kyle and look for the total nitric oxide. The long-awaited podcast with Natasha is here. My wife has finally graced us with her presence on the show. It's actually her second time. We were on with a big group of people, about six, and I wanted her to get some one-on-one -on -one time where she could go over her story, everything that's that's gone down in her life, how she's tackled challenges, 
everything from plant medicine ceremonies to our open relationship to being a parent and what that looks like in the relationship. So much here. Uh, it was for sure one of my favorite podcasts I've ever recorded. And I'm not just saying that because she's going to listen to this and she's my wife, but uh, truly uh, amazing. So please reach out to us. We've linked in the show notes to uh, her social media and mine as well. Just click on that. Give us a follow on IG or Twitter and write us and let us know what you think. If you have any questions, hit us up. Also, we'll be releasing a QA. and uh, Tosh had the idea to ask people online, hey, you got any questions for us? And we received a fuck ton of amazing questions. So we're actually going to do that one separately and we will release it here within the next day. So be on the lookout for that and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're clapped in. It's official. It's official. The wifey. The husby. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dope to finally have you on. We we had you on with a small group back in the day. I think it was... um, It was a big group. Yeah. J.P. Sears. Amber. Amber Sears. Dr. Kirk Parsley. Mm -hmm. And Christine. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. That was a good group. but, But anytime there's six people, it's really hard to dive deep. So... Of course, we had to run it back with just the two of us. Well, and everyone's super smart. So I just felt like I was sitting there like, Ooh, just <laughs> wanting to listen, throwing little things here and there. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you got your whole hour and a half or however long we go. Um, I usually try to get background on people's uh, childhood just to paint a picture of where they come from and how they've gotten to where they are today. With you, there is no doubt that is one of the big questions we you had the idea of asking people online um, to do a Q&A. And so we will do that as the second part of this episode. But with how many awesome questions came in, we're going to have to separate that from this because this is <laughs> there's enough to talk about here in its own episode. Um, but one of the questions had to do with your Instagram post about your childhood, the fathers that you've had, and the men that you have in your life now. So I think that's an excellent way to start the podcast Uh, Just talk about growing up. Talk about all the men that have been in your life and how that's changed over time. Well, I was born and raised in Vegas. And uh, my mom had my oldest sister when she was 18 years old. I was friends with my dad all through high school. They married. They had three of us by the time they were 22. Um, My dad was a Navy chef. And uh, my mom doesn't talk very much about him. She only has shared when we've asked questions. But from what I've gathered from my questions, he was definitely very depressed, Um, came from a lot of addictive, uh, just a lot of addictive traits like gambling, drinking, smoking, um, and dealt with depression for a long time. And ended up killing himself when he was 23, 23. I was almost two. Um, And then my mom being in church and having three children and really wanting, uh, as a mom now, it's like, I get it. Like you want your children to grow up with a father. So she very quickly remarried um, to my first stepdad and then they had two children together, my brother and younger brother and sister. We've never considered each other like half siblings. We're all like solid. But um, and then he 
because I was the youngest, I was about four when they married and understanding how predators work. They go for the the ones that are the easiest to uh, control or manipulate. And so from age four till I was about nine, um, I was sexually molested by him. And I, looking back at that time, there was ever a time between four and nine that I really thought anything of it. I hated it, but I didn't like, I wasn't miserable. I was a really happy, really happy kid. Um, I had lots of friends. I wasn't antisocial. I definitely can look back at like playing with my friends and being like, oh, I was playing some sexual things with my Barbies. (laughs) Like I just didn't, (laughs) but like if we, you know, like when parents would catch me doing stuff, they were like, hey, what are you doing there? And like, I don't, you know, like I just didn't think anything of it. Um, So thankfully, once my mom, it came to her attention from one of my older sisters who it happened to one time. And that one time my older sister told my mom and thankfully my mom believed her. And so he went to jail. And then again, now my mom has five kids and once a father and, you know, there's a a man that she knows from church um, again and remarries. And he, I, I'm really surprised, but I really bonded with him like right away. I don't know if it's because we knew him from church um, or I was just like serious daddy's girl and just wanted that relationship. But he was our dad for about 11 years. Um, Had a horrible temper though. So just constantly walking on eggshells, watching him scream at my mom, leave the house. Um, So there was just, it never felt like there was ever a time that a man felt, I never, you know, like I just, that's what men were to me. That's what father figures were to me. And my um, looking at how devout I was in my Christianity and my faith, I think a lot of that was tied to that belief of I have a heavenly father. I have a heavenly father who loves me and keeps me safe and would never hurt me. And so that really, I think, was my driving force in uh, in my faith. But um, they, they divorced and my mom then was dating and she did remarry again a few times. <laughs> and But after that <laughs> third one, it was like, I'm not calling anybody dad. That's, you know, it's Tom or Ross or whoever is, you know, but like I... Um, it also made me very anti, like not want to date. Like I didn't date all through high school. I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 21. And I still had that, like, I'm going to wait till I'm married before I have sex (laughs) and, uh, had a promise ring. And, but most of it was just out of fear, out of fear of, of men and being hurt and not trusting them. Um, but I never, I, I can't ever say that there was ever a time I cried and said, I wish none of this had ever happened. I just had a mindset of it happened and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to um, believe that there is a man like, you know, every I don't know if guys do it, but girls, we tend to make lists of like the things we want in our future partner and like how you like for me, it was like, I want to meet this person like this. I like I think at the top it was I want to be friends first. But um, 
it never, even, even the things that happened after I was actually raped twice in my young adulthood. And even those situations, there was never a time that I felt, um, I just, I was very much like a, a student about everything. Like, oh, I learned a lesson there. I, I knew I should have seen that. I should have known better. And it wasn't me being like blaming myself. Obviously they were wrong, but in moving forward after everything that happened, I was very, I just grew from yeah, it. And you're I methodical took, to your approach rather yeah. than dwelling on it, yeah. um, which has its own pros and cons, right? I think something that you've mentioned to me in the past is how one of the ways that you've carried your mindset and yourself and, you know, in turn, not hated men or, you know, been open and available to, to dating people is that you would acknowledge this thing that happened, but you'd move on pretty quickly. And that again also has its its pros and cons. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's uh it's actually something that was brought to my attention even more uh fully in our last ayahuasca experience at Soltara was I've always allowed myself to feel and grieve or be angry or whatever the feelings are that um, having gone to counseling since I was like nine after being molested, there were different things that I learned from those situations. Um, but, uh, I had like a cutoff. All right. I can feel this way for this long. And then after that, I'm moving on. I'm not going to let this control my life. I'm not going to let this, but sometimes in some situations it takes longer and it's not in, and, you don't fully, I didn't fully heal from a lot of things because of that cutoff. I thought, oh, I, I dealt with that. I processed it. Now I'm good. Yeah. You gave it your set <laughs> amount of time and that's, yeah. that's long enough yeah. and I don't need to grieve any longer. I can just move on with my life. Mm -hmm. And then you have a situation like when we started open and something like the, the feeling of abandonment from my real dad thought that, I mean, when we started dating, you would forget about my, my life, my childhood, the things I'd been through. Cause I never cried about it. I never whined about it. Father's day didn't come around and I wasn't like, oh, I don't have a father. Like <laughs> I just never, I was very like, no, this is, this is my life and I'm not going to dwell on the past, but starting open, it was, that was my fear being abandoned. And it was the, by far the strongest, hardest thing that I had to continually work through um, knowing you weren't going to leave me. So that, uh, and obviously that was one of the big ones for me as well. I think that's a big one for a lot of people. And, and I, you know, I, I will, we'll definitely take a deep dive into open relationship, but I want to talk to, um, about the stuff that comes up for us as parents. You know, we've had a few questions around that in the Q and a, and, um, I think a lot of triggers for you around your mom and how you were raised only started to show up in your life once you became a mom. And uh, as I've talked about in the past, a lot of things that came up for me, not when Bear was born, but they came up once I had to start disciplining Bear because it reminded me of the way that I was disciplined and the pros yeah. and cons of that. It actually allowed me to see it from both sides and see like, well, I never slapped my dad in the face. I never screamed at him. I never did the things that Bear does to me <laughs> that I put up with. But, um, you know, that was definitely a harsher way to get to that point where you turn a kid into a robot. Yeah. You know, and so I, uh, I think seeing those pros and cons allowed me to, to again take a different layer and approach perspective wise, yeah, of, of how we were raised and how we want to raise our son. Well, and and 
making our, especially when you become a parent, you go, oh my God, I, in my, in my childhood, you think like, you're my mom and dad, or you're my mom and my stepdad. Like you've, you're an adult. You have all your shit figured out. You've, you know, you just have this idea of who they are. And then you become a parent. You're like, holy shit, I'm, I still feel like I'm 18 sometimes or 21 or 25. And now I'm in charge of teaching this person, this young little soul, how to handle his emotions when I'm still trying to figure out how to handle my emotions sometimes. But um, seeing my mom, I think that's the thing that's really shifted, not I think, but that is the thing that um, really has given me the, the ability to forgive and be grateful for for what I did take away from my father's and my mother is seeing it from like my mother's perspective and seeing, okay, she was 23, had three children, her husband kills himself. How would, you know, like I couldn't imagine doing, like having that and then finding out my second husband was molesting my children. Like, okay, it makes sense why she freaking pulled us in and was overly protective, was like no sexual, you know, like she used to edit movies and like take out any kind of <laughs> clip that she thought like we couldn't watch Little Mermaid because the seashells, she thought well, it was too sexual. Back to the future when back Biff, to the future. Biff Cannon's trying to get a piece. Yeah, like I'd She's watch like, movies. I'm not that kind of girl, Biff. <laughs> I would watch movies as an adult and be like, I don't remember that scene because my movies were all and like the whole scene cut out. And then it just goes, moves on. But like, I don't, I have so much compassion and love for, and for my mother that she kept going and she did the best that she could. And, you know, her growing up with parents who were not physically loving, not, weren't hugging people. Like they, my grandparents aren't huggers. They're not people who express love through words. It's more like quality time, you know, like just yeah. hanging out, doing yard work together. Yeah, acts of service. Yeah. And um, so just seeing it from that perspective, seeing my dad's life and just feeling so sad that he didn't get to live life, whether it was as my father or not, people that it's when they commit suicide, it's like, did they have, were they exposed to the tools, to the things that can make their life wonderful and full of joy and happiness? Because we all have shit. We all have pain. But when you have the tools, you can get through anything. And then my my stepdad that molested me, he was molested as a boy and his mom didn't believe him. Mm. So like, that's sad. That's, it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm like, oh, let me visit with you and be close to you. It's, I you set boundaries. I have my boundaries. I don't communicate with him at all, but I have forgiveness for him and I have empathy for what he went through. And then my third dad, you know, I just look at, especially when you look at our elders, you know, our parents, our grandparents, and uh, if they're still stuck in a certain mindset or a certain behaviors or ways of, you know, just they have anger or they have whatever it is, like, I don't want to be in my 60s and 70s still doing that. I want to be on another level um, and evolving and growing because it works it's, we're constantly, we're constantly changing. But um, yeah, those are obviously plant ceremonies have been the, the gateway into having those visions and then being able to take those and apply them to any situation where somebody maybe does something 
to me or says something, instead of taking it personally, I can say, okay, let me sit and think about this person and why they might be doing that in their life, um, their past, and that it's just this cyclical cycle of like pain reacting. Yeah. yeah. There's a uh... This reminds me of the the commencement speech by David Foster Wallace mm-hmm. that uh, Peter Atia turned me on to. This is water. Incredibly we'll, powerful. We'll, we'll link to this again in the show notes. But yeah, like he just goes into the, all the examples of how we we believe we're the center of the universe, and so when something happens to us, we don't take into consideration what's going on in that other person's life, you know. But I mean, if you look through, and this is taught by the great teachers, like in the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz to not take shit personally, being one of like the major fundamental pieces, right? And then it's from a hard there, one. <laughs> it is a really hard one, especially with, even, especially even, with Bear. Even with Bear, so yeah. it's so ridiculous that you're like, I know you're not doing this on pers- on, uh, on purpose, but it feels personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about some of the tools here and then um, more on Bear and then we'll get into open. Um, you had done no drugs at all Mm. your entire life until meeting me yeah (laughs) yeah which is great and it's funny too because (laughs) you know i think you you had been given a a weed cookie or cannabis cookie in college and and didn't enjoy the experience obviously i think that's a pretty rough one but um we were drinking with it no yeah um and you know i've I've spoken about this many times but my first boxing coach Witsi, uh was my first real maestro and and worked with me doing sweat lodges and then mushroom sweats and uh then later ayahuasca but you know i had been doing i think i had a few of these under my belt once we started dating and i remember talking to you about it and you were receptive to the idea of of mushrooms and still at that point pretty religious pretty mm-hmm. pretty um I mean, and I'll let you elaborate on that, but from my understanding, you had questioned things from a very young age in, mm-hmm. in the church, but at the same time, you were still devout in and firm in your beliefs. And one of the things that's hard for people who are um, really religious in any religion is the idea that something that creates this doorway into your own psyche or into the the ether or whatever you want to call it um, it may not be of God, right? It might be the devil working uh, through the back channels mm-hmm. to fucking <laughs> steal your soul. You know, like uh, Bobby Boucher's mom in The Water Boy. <laughs> like, mushrooms are the devil, Bobby. Like, that kind of thought process. So, talk a bit about how you were able to accept the, doing the deep work. And then we'll get into that first ceremony, which was by all means uh, heroic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. We had to read, we read the Bible from cover to cover every year. Um, so I know the Bible very well. And I had so many questions as a child because when you actually read cover to cover, there's a lot in there that doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. Um, like things just didn't line up because to me, when I read the whole thing, it was like what I felt was like, but it's love, God, you know, God is love, unconditional love. But then we have this whole list of, but if you do this, punishment, punishment judgment. for eternity, burning, like I, it just, I didn't understand it. And so I've had a lot of questions, but um, as I got older, 
Uh, I think a really hard thing too was just being so involved in church and really seeing, especially with like my third dad, just the hypocrisy of who he was at home and who he was at church. Um, seeing my friends who had parents that were church leaders or pastors and being at their house and then seeing, you know, at church. And that's not at all saying like they're fake. They don't really believe, but um, it was hard for me. It was confusing. It was, it was just kind of like, how, how is that? How is that in alignment with what were you say you believe um, or what you believe in? But uh I didn't really, I never stopped saying I was a Christian because of the fear, because of that. If I say I'm not a Christian, then if I'm wrong and I'm going to burn in eternity, you know, in, in flames for eternity or in suffering. And so there was just that thing holding on to me of like, I'll never say I'm not a Christian. I'm still a Christian, but I wasn't practicing. I wasn't going to church. Um, but aside from that, I also experienced, I, I knew and I know I did experience God in church. And that was through worship. That was through singing and really just finding a space for myself and tapping into that, into that place of connection with God. Um, I was never slain in the spirit. And people were like, constantly like, you've never been slain in the spirit? Oh, let's get you up there so they can try. And I was like, I never was just like, oh, like, like, I don't know. Like there's, there's times I definitely think there's a performance aspect to it. And I just, it was, I've never been a faker. I've never been a person who wanted to look like more Christian by doing things like that. Um, so when you and I had started dating, I, that's kind of where I was. I'd also growing up in the house, the home where we were being molested. There were a lot of, there was a lot of darkness in that home. I do remember all of my siblings and I have experienced dark things, whether you want to call them dark spirits, whatever it is, my mother included, we'd all had experience. And this is before anybody, my mom knew. Um, we were so young. So there wasn't like a, I, I just, I, I know what I experienced. And I remember having mm -hmm. these conversations with you where I'm like, it's hard to say I don't believe because I've experienced and seen things that don't make sense in this dimension. <laughs> yeah. So um, when you, and then as far as uh, mushrooms go, I, any, any drugs and really alcohol, I, I think I had two months of just like trying out drinking and it wasn't for me. I wasn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the taste of it. And I just, it didn't do it for me. Plus I was very self-aware of my father's history of abuse and addiction. And so for me, it was, I don't even want to open that door um, because I don't, I want to be very conscious of what, you know, just who, what's in my DNA. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd only heard horrible mushroom stories from teammates in college. But for some reason, it was still like, I don't know. I kind of, that one, that one calls to me for some reason. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but that one sounds interesting. Um, and so when you presented it, there was still a nervousness of like, I don't know if I could do that. But when you explained to me how it was in a Temescal, so like the sweat, the very traditional sweat lodge um, on a native reservation, it was a very ceremonial, spiritual thing. So it wasn't like we're doing drugs at a party. Um, and that's what I really, that, that really is what, 
made me feel comfortable is that I felt like if I'm doing this in a, in a um, respectful way, then bad, like if I'm coming at it with my heart in the right place, then I won't be possessed by demons. Like I, you know, like whatever it was that I was afraid of. And I remember sitting in the lodge after we had eaten the mushrooms and it was starting. And I remember praying to the God in my mind from the Bible, you know, please, I'm doing this. I'm not doing this to be rebellious. I'm not doing this to, you know, do anything but to grow and, and be closer to you. So please keep me safe. <laughs> That's a good I prayer. Remember, yeah, like I just, that was my mindset going into it because I had no no gauge of like what I was about to experience other than what you had told me. Um, and I trusted you. <laughs> well, I think I think now I know never trust never trust Kyle when yeah. it comes to <laughs> your first well, Chuck experience. The, the answer the answer it's funny because uh you know everybody gets names on the um names on the playa when you go to Burning Man and my first Burning Man it's it's weird but everybody kept looking to me for the answers on how many drugs they should take and uh <laughs> the answer was always yes like if, if you're if you're saying more or not the answer was yes and of course this is within reason um, and micro adjustments as you go up, but yeah. So, you know, being the voice of reason, they, uh, Aubrey called me reason. And that was, that was just a funny name because I don't even think it's stuck. He calls me Odin now on the playa, but Odin. point, point being, um, we had by any stretch, the most heroic dose of mushrooms ever. And that was your first time. And that, that was, was for sure the most time. heroic for me. Um, don't recommend this to people, certainly not on their first time, but I had brought an ounce of mushrooms for uh, the sweat and there was supposed to be at least five of us. So I had a few fighters coming out um, from AKA and it's a bit of a drive. And so on the drive, each one called me one by one to say, hey, I can't make it tonight. And it was like last minute pull out. And I'm like, all right, well, looks like it's just us. It'll be a private ceremony. And so when I got there, I gave the whole bag to my coach and I said, hey, you know, just divvy up what you want us to take, whatever you feel we should have, and keep the rest for yourself as a thank you for, for putting us on. And he said, okay, yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much. And then he, he split them into pairs of two. He blessed them. There was a masculine side, a feminine side. Uh, Sage then went through, and he probably took two mushroom, <laughs> dried mushrooms for himself out of the entire bag and split the rest for us. And so we're eating these, and I'm like, damn, that's a lot of mushrooms. And I'm trying not to do the math because I know it's a lot. And um, I had no clue, <laughs> no clue. I had no clue, like the difference between an ounce or a gram, like all those little measurements. I had no, I couldn't tell you what one cap versus how many did we eat? Like 15? Well, we 20? had 13, <laughs> it's 28 grams in an ounce. And there's no way he took even a gram with the two mushrooms. So likely... We're looking at like 13.7, 13.8 grams each. And, and we had to is, chew them. We had to chew them. <laughs> each mushroom up. had to be chewed, which like makes my stomach turn just even thinking about it. Now we have our grind it up. It's a fine powder. You put in delicious juice. It just goes down so easy. But while I was method. eating it, because it was very like ceremonial, I was trying to be respectful. I remember chewing one and, be, and like leaning into Kyle and saying, this seems like a lot. And he's like, 
no, it's fine. Weetzie knows the right amount to give us. Meanwhile, on the inside, he's screaming, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, holy oh my shit. God, this please. is like far more than I've ever done. It's over twice as much as I've ever done. It's probably three times as much as I've ever done at that point. And still but, the most we've ever done. Yeah. When it mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say some of the penis envy experiences have been deeper, but here I, I'm digressing again. So we, we have this monstrous dose by all accounts. And we're in the sweat, which really kicks things into high gear. And there's a lot of times, I mean, to be specific, it's a traditional sweat, but traditionally the Lakota do not practice an anipi with medicine because the sweat itself is the medicine, right? That is its own ceremony. And um, that's how it's done most of the time. My coach was a medicine man and he liked combining the tools. I have not met somebody yet who likes to combine the sweat with medicine. Most people, if they're going to use the two together, you have the sweat first to prep, and then you have the medicine after. But, um, you know, it's funny because he is, he was a guy who commanded respect. He was a guy who uh, was very orderly and, and very by the book, and especially in that, in that space. And when we came out of the sweat, you were just like a, you were turned back into a little kid and everything was like seeing it for the first time. And it was a full moon. Of course, there's no lights, no running water out on the reservation is beautiful. And, um, you started, you looked at this piece of grass and just started laughing and you're like, Oh my God, it's so strong. Look at it. It's just <laughs> fighting the gravity of the earth to climb laying, to the sky. I was just laying on my stomach staring and I don't, I can't even remember if it was like a pile of grass, but just one blade just stood out to me or if it was just one piece of grass. But I remember just staring at it and I was just amazed. Like I was so, I've always loved nature. I've always been super in tune with creatures. And, um, but that was, I, that was an amazing experience for a number of reasons. It was incredibly fun and playful and just eye-opening. I felt connected to God. I felt loved by God but it wasn't, God wasn't this man who stands above us judging us. It was just love. It was just beaming love. And I laughed so much. And I remember telling you, I started crying. I remember telling you that I was so happy that knowing that deep inside of me, I was happy. Mm. that I wasn't just this outward on the surface happy person, but to really, because that was I was nervous about that. Am I going to be bawling and a mess and miserable and in pain and just like my real self? Like, is this who I really am? But like, so seeing just being happy and and feeling so much joy and excitement for life and love for you. Um, and we were walking around and there were wild foxes walking around me and Two like sitting by me. Two of them were following you me. like Cinderella uh -huh. on the walk. Yeah. And I remember looking up and I looked down. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't know if I was just seeing things, but Wheatsey and you both saw them and talked about them. So um, that was my first experience. And then we came to hear about ayahuasca. And upon reading it, I did not think it looked very fun. And for me, the fact that you had done mushrooms before many times, there was a safety of like, oh, you know, you can, you know what this experience is and that, and I'm safe and I'm, you know, whatever. But 
you'd never done ayahuasca when you were pitching this. And so I was like, well, maybe, <laughs> I don't want to shit my pants. Maybe, I don't want to be in the woods yeah, with no with an yeah. out house and no running water. <laughs> it was more so I just didn't want to shit my pants and puke in the woods. Like it just sounded filthy. Like I'd just be laying in all of it, you know. But um, <laughs> with flies buzzing around. Yeah. Uh, so I sent you to do that one solo when uh, when it became available, and then you came back from that experience, and that really changed our relationship. We loved each other so much, but we definitely had a rough first year. Um, and when you came back and all the visions that you had seen and the fact that you couldn't talk without crying and for two weeks and I'd never seen you cry and even just just everything that you saw about us about me about yourself it was in it was right away it was a okay I'm doing this I'm definitely doing this just knowing my own history my own past my own childhood like wanting to dive headfirst into those and really heal fully from them. Um, so mushrooms, ayahuasca, and then I started dabbling with weed a little bit again. <laughs> <laughs> you may not realize it, but the average American blasts their eyes with bright screens for 11 hours a day. When you consider how much our day revolves around our devices, it doesn't seem so crazy. I got a lot of Apple products, iPhone, iPad, iMac, MacBook Air, and TV, and all this other shit. So <laughs> Netflix and chill, uh, we're bombarded with bright light. The fact is, we can't eliminate extensive screen time for our lives in the modern era, but you can protect your eyes from it with a pair of Felix Gray blue light filtering glasses available in non-prescription and prescription. So you got eye issues, need a prescription, they got you. These are by far the best looking glasses I've ever seen, uh, regardless of blue light emitting or not. They're absolutely incredible. Head over to felixgrayglasses.com slash Kyle. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash Kyle for free shipping and 30 days of risk-free returns or exchanges. Well, I want you to dive into your first ayahuasca experience. Obviously, we've we've uh, we've had quite a few plant medicine experiences, so I don't, that could take all fucking day going through them all. But um part of this path that we've both gone through is continued work on ourselves and it and it's the the ability to say yes to the challenging circumstances and sometimes that happens when we're prepared for it we've said yes like consciously like when i consciously asked can i open up any last healing that's necessary around my childhood in this last 25th ceremony um and of course, that was there was a knowing going into it. Um, other times when we've had mushrooms or ayahuasca, we didn't know it was going to come up. And then it just kind of hit us in the face. But with regards to your life, your healing, and your growth, I think your first ayahuasca ceremony is, I mean, just on par with fucking any trip report I've ever heard. So I'd love for you to dive into that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going into it, they always want you to have like an intention and my intention, if I can remember correctly, was just, I'm open to whatever this experience is. And then a little list of, I want healing with, you know, my eating disorders and, you know, just little like things that I just had my, an idea of what it was going to be. And then, um, right when the medicine kicked in, you were laying 
on my right side and our good friend Justin was laying on my left. His, also Rothabone. his Rothabone, his first ceremony also. Um, and right when the medicine kicked in, it, I was laying there and it was like, I just like sat up. This is all in vision, but it felt like it was, you know, happening as I was moving through it. But I sat up and in, we were surrounded by nature everywhere. We're laying under these giant canopies of trees and and the, na- the, the bushes that kind of surround are right in front of like hills. So they're just, we're right in this canyon. Um, but one of the giant bushes, this giant bear just like came out from behind and stood up on its hind feet and it was just staring at me. And I remember sitting there and I was kind of like, is anyone else seeing this giant bear? bear like should I be terrified but I didn't feel I felt like some fear but it wasn't like if you were actually in the woods and a giant bear stood up and you're like oh run (laughs) so uh I kind of just stared at it and it was looking right at me and then it turned and started to walk up and but it kept stopping and turning and looking back at me and so then it was like oh I'm I'm gonna follow you okay so I started following this bear through the woods and the terrain just kept feeling so much like it was just getting harder and harder to, to, to climb. And as I was walking, I kind of started to hunch over and like walk on my hands and feet, kind of mimicking the bear. And then I noticed my hands were becoming bear claws. And um, as I was trying to climb over this boulder, it was like, ah, I don't know how to walk. I was a bear. And so I started to fall and the, the big bear caught me and pulled me up and cradled me. And I looked into its eyes and it had gold eyes. And my father had gold eyes. And it was just an instant, it's my father, it's my dad. And it held me. And basically my day was just spent being a bear with my real dad and having conversations and just talking about my life and what I'd been through. And it was incredibly beautiful. And obviously I'm going to condense all of it in to make it less, it's an eight hour experience. So (laughs) that's a lot of details to cover. But um, I remember at one point the we came into like, we'd been spending all this time and talking and we came into this clearing and there was uh, like a river and there was a mama bear with two cubs, like just over playing in the water and she's just standing there watching them. And I was, I was watching them and then I turned and, and he was gone. The bear had, the big bear had, had just, it was just gone. And, um, I just remember just panicking and feeling um, so much anger, so much rage as I was like running, like looking everywhere, trying to find it and screaming like, no, don't leave me again. I didn't think I was going to cry telling this story again. Uh, But it just felt that pain that I never really talked about because I never knew him. It didn't make sense to me as in a, as a child. I just never talked about it. I never cried about it. Um, and as I came around this corner, the 
no, actually, it was during that when I was running through that I had my first purge. And I remember thinking, because all I had eaten that morning was like a couple handful, like a couple grapes. And I remember I had my first purge from that feeling of like anger, running, looking for him. And I remember puking. It was just this tiny little thing. And I was like, that wasn't bad. <laughs> all this talk <laughs> about puking, like that wasn't horrible. And then just as more um, time went, me looking for him, finding him, him then having a conversation, just saying he was sorry and that he loved me and my sisters and that um, he just didn't know, you know, he didn't know that he had other, other options, that he had other things he could have done, but that he did love me. And I then had, uh, I'm trying to remember where the second puke, because I puked three times. I think the second puke was, it, it was in there somewhere, but the second puke was definitely way more aggressive than the first one, but it was just out of release. So anytime those feelings throughout that day, anytime I was feeling, because it, it was like that, I was having wonderful times with him, but then I'd get really mad or really sad and then purge. So the second one was that, but then I remember him, me saying, or, or at like saying like, I don't know, like at one point I couldn't remember how to, I couldn't walk as a bear. And I was like, Oh, I don't know how to walk like as a bear. And then I had this like flashback of a hallway with like this thick carpet. And there was a light at the end of the hallway. And my dad was like leaning over, holding his arms out to me. And I was low to the ground and I had little baby hands. And it was, but it was from the baby's eyes, the baby's vision. And it was like learning to walk. I started walking when I was like nine months. Mm. And so later I had asked my mom, like, did we live in a house when I was a baby? Did we live in a house? And kind of described it. And I, was given a memory. I was shown a memory from my baby eyes of me walking to my father. And it was just like, as simple as that is, it's cool to have, it's cool to have a memory. Yeah. Um, and then one of the moments when I saw the mama bear and her cubs, like it was very symbolic of my mother. And I dove into like, my mother and that's that's where the visions and the the um just going into my mother's life and seeing um because her and I just clashed we used to fight all the time from like high school through after college when we first met it was still happening I just fought with my mother so much because of just how close-minded she was and how overly religious and judgmental and I always felt like I had to protect my siblings and, you know, just all of it. But then the ceremony really just shifted how I interacted with my mother, how much I loved her and appreciated her and appreciated her intense faith. <laughs> Not in a sense of like, I love her telling, you know, talking to me about it. But if this is the thing that kept her going and has kept her going and given her purpose and given her just, if this is what makes her happy, 
And this is what got her through all the the craziness that happened to us in our childhood and in her and her childhood. Then I have gratitude for that. I have gratitude for the thing that kept my mom going. Um, but in ceremony, when I finally had this moment of release, releasing that pain, that very deep-rooted pain, that anger that I really suppressed probably my entire life. I just felt this knot as I was just over the bucket. Nothing was coming out, but I could feel this ball just moving from my stomach all the way up. It felt like I was like, oh, like forever. (laughs) And it was like, I need to breathe. But when it came out, there was such release and peace. And then I just, and then he, and then the bear walked back into my, my um, visionary state. And I just laid, I remember we were laying by water and we weren't talking, but we were just there. And it felt, it felt like just wonderful having that release and really not expecting that. I really did not expect to spend the day with my dad. Um, and I didn't expect, I didn't know that that pain was still there as strongly as it was. Um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't want to, uh, I don't get too off topic, but you know, anytime I post stuff about psychedelics and plant medicines, there's always people on two sides of the fence. One side of the fence is uh, the people who have, have experienced them or want to experience them and they're believers in it. And the other side of the fence is people who believe it can be done with other means, you know, and that we should be just going to therapy and doing different things. But, you know, you and I both, I mean, I know you've had more therapy than I, but we, we started going to therapists from a very young age and nothing has moved the bar for me as fast as something as powerful as ayahuasca or a heroic dose of mushrooms. And so to think about your experience with that, like, could you have gotten some healing around your father in therapy? Sure. I'm sure you did already because you'd already been to therapy and already discussed a lot of that stuff. But to have an experience like that, I mean, it's incomparable to anything out there. And there's, with the exception of talking to Jesus himself, there's no one you're going to talk to or the Buddha or Lao Tzu or whoever great teacher there is. There's no one you're going to talk to that could give you something as meaningful or as powerful as that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I had... I think I, even though I went to lots of therapy and counseling and things like that, I still felt uh, when I would sit and talk with them and anytime, like the the talk, just the sharing out loud was really um, good just to talk about it. But the moment a therapist or counselor would open their mouth or offer any insight or tools, I remember even as a child shutting off because it was to me it was like you have no you have no idea you just read it in a book you have no yeah. idea what i've been through so i was not receptive to listening to people unless i knew their background like oh we went through there was a woman when i lived in mammoth california and it was like our childhood was so similar and her and i used to go for walks and she acted as a therapist um and i took tools, a lot of tools from her because I thought, okay, 
She's gone through it. You've gone through it and you know what I've been through and you are happy. You have a family and you seem, you know, you seem good. But uh, (laughs) it really, I mean, that first ceremony completely changed my relationship with my mom. And I, she definitely still triggers me, but how I handle it and how I, move, you know, handle her. It's always with love. It's always with kindness. Um, and I know how to set boundaries so that it never gets to a place where I'm, we're screaming at each other, you know, like I never want, um, I never want that kind of interaction with my mom because I do love her. Uh, she does, my family does know about our site. I told them, the moment I did my first mushroom ceremony, I've always been, I don't, I don't care if people approve or understand, but I'd rather my family and friends know me, really know me and know what I'm doing, know what I'm about, um, than not know me. Yeah. Than just me like, oh, how's the weather? Oh, how's the kids? Like, I want you to know me and, and know what I'm doing. I want you to know my truth. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we've gone through uh, your first mushroom experience and your first ayahuasca experience and a lot of the ways that that's helped you grow. Without a doubt, the most challenging experience we've ever had has been with open relationship. And it took a long time to get to the place of even starting it. And it's taken what feels like a long time, even though it's been a very short window, less than a year for us to come to the place that we're in now. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about how we got to say yes. And obviously plant medicines are a big part of that, I think for us. Um, And then also, you know, what the work has been to get to where we are now. Well, was it, cause I'm not, I'm not actually sure how you came to be interested, like where you heard about it first? Was it Aubrey, listening to Aubrey's podcast? It was, or? It was Chris Ryan, hearing okay. Dr. Chris Ryan on Rogan. Um, and, you know, I I, I bought Sex at Dawn thinking mm-hmm. it was like another- I remember that. Another self-help book, <laughs> like this is how you can eat pussy better or this will teach you how to be a better lover, those kind of things. And I thought he was writing that book because of the fact that he had had sex with so many people, he understood how to be a great lover. And mm-hmm. so it was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get this how-to guide, Sex at Dawn. And you read one of the reviews on Amazon. No, I read the or, back. Or the back. I like, read the back you of the book. other people? I was like, oh. And then it's like, <laughs> what are you reading? But it's funny because before dating you, I dated like that. I was I was in a the last serious relationship I, I had had before you. When that ended, I said, I don't care if I'm single for the rest of my life and just date casually. I never am going to be in a relationship that I'm miserable in just to be in a relationship. Like if it's not, if I'm not having fun, if I'm not happy, if this person, if I don't trust them, like I don't want that. And so from that guy until I started dating you, I was dating and I would tell the guy like, hey, I am not looking for anything serious and I will be dating other people. If you're not cool with that, then let's just make sure we don't start any of that now. If you are, then good. We can move forward. Um, And then when I met you in Iraq on the tour for the troops, I remember 
really being drawn to you. And I remember like even friends that live in Vegas, when I came back, they all told you when we had started dating, like, oh, I remember her coming back and talking about you. And I was like, yeah, he, you stood out. We had a blast. We hit it off as friends. You were in a seven, six and a half year year relationship at that point. So to me, you were married and there wasn't there, but it was perfect because we established a friendship first. I got to see how you were out of the country, away from your woman. Um, You made me laugh more than anybody. You make me laugh more than anybody I've ever known. But um, when you, so when you asked me to be your girlfriend, though, it was very, we'd be my girlfriend and only my girlfriend because we were friends and you knew how I was dating. Uh I knew. Yeah. And I was like, after a while, I was like, no, I need to lock this one down. And, um, but it's perfect because I feel like that set us up to we we were steps ahead when it came to once we became open because being friends for that year beforehand and you asking me about the guys I was dating and I'd like oh let me send you their you know social media page whatever it was and my space and, and make fun of them and make make fun of them but we would talk we were comfortable talking about past relationships and just all of it. There was never a jealousy or I don't want to hear about that. And then that even moved into once we did start dating to talking about past, you know, who gave you your best blowjob or, you know, all the different things. We were always very comfortable with that going out. We never had this possessive, you talking to my guy, you talking to my girl. It was, we've always been very comfortable and secure in who we are to each other, but also understanding like, yes, I want you to, I want women to tell you how hot you are and to dance with you. But still, when I read that book, because I think I was pregnant or I had just had Bear. It was around that time. It, it was around that time. Yeah. And um, it was, it was definitely a trigger because when you presented the idea to me verbally, we had just eloped. We were doing a fake wedding for our families because they were mad at us. We were just going to have photos um, taken. And we were driving there and you said, I want you to know just because we're married that if you ever want to sleep be, you know, sleep with someone else that it you can talk to me and, and I, I am not taking your freedom away from you. And I didn't take that as like, oh, wow, you love me. It was like, you want to fuck other women. That's why you're offering this to me. Oh, I see what you're doing here. And it was a fight. And but that that fight then cha- like shifted into a conversation. Well, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? So what we would have a go on a date and hook up with somebody. And, you know, so it just opened the line of communication it also, I mean, we we talked about it for years before we actually even acted on it. And we had already had a whole bunch of fights without even sleeping with other people. <laughs> yeah. We had fights it's and like, we worked through shit. This is so much fucking work without even getting any uh-huh. of the, uh, yeah. the, no slice of the pie yeah. for all is the work we were doing. It? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the biggest thing for us in taking as long as we did was because we were parents and everything we do Bear is the is the one that we think about. How will this affect his life? Is this going to make his life better? Is this going to make us better parents? Is this, you know, like it all has to do with 
his childhood, his, his upbringing and what his experience is. He's number one. Um, so in just talking about it, we, I think we got a lot of, we fine tuned a lot of details and things that were really important to us. And I expressed things that were, um, not cool with me or cool with me. And then even still it's different than we had talked about, but the base, the base, like, what is the word I'm looking for? Foundation. The Foundation layer. that we both agree on and that still stays to this day is, does that person, does the do the other people add to our lives and we add to theirs or do they take away? And that, that has been the, the number one thing that's just been beautiful and not scary when it comes to involving having bear around Christian, my boyfriend, and the fact that he has an uncle who loves him so much and, and who he, he loves, loves so much. So much. Kids don't um, fake it, you know? That's especially the other thing. Bear. <laughs> he definitely doesn't fake it. He, he doesn't fake it at he all. He feels weirded out. He's not going to give anybody a hug. He wouldn't hug Jim Carrey. Like, you know, know like you better fucking turd. hug Jim Carrey. But like there's there's things like that where, you know, you realize very quickly he's already, I don't like using terminology like this, but he's he's 100% authentic. Like he's, he's living that. Mm -hmm. There's no faking it, right? And so for him to have that response to Christian and for Christian, obviously he's great with kids. That's a huge factor. But um, for Bear's reaction to be that way with him and, and, you know, of course, while we're on this podcast, who's watching Bear? Uncle Christian, mm -hmm. you know, and so many, it just, it adds value to every one of our lives individually. You know, I work out with him and Aubrey and we're working out later today and he's become a very close friend of mine, you know, so there's no secrets. There's no, uh, and that's another thing, you know, uh, real quick, I'll just, I'll just say side note. One of the ways that we got to the place that we're at was from me really feeling the pressure and wanting to read to learn more. So I read nonviolent communication, conscious loving, which is great for monogamy. All these are great for monogamy too. And then, uh, more than two, an ethical guide to polyamory. And the one thing they said consistently in the polyamorous book was everyone does it differently, but the only thing that fails every time is don't ask, don't tell because you sever the cord of communication. And I talked about this with Eric Godsey, even though I think this episode will air before the Godsey episode, we talked about that, how you have to have that line of communication. And you can draw a line in the sand where it's not, I'm going to tell you every position and every detail mm -hmm. and how I finished or even how- Even though I like hearing it. <laughs> it is, I mean, with having that, <laughs> having our past there where we did discuss things like that, it is a turn on, you know, and people- you could call me at least 40% cuck because it is something where it's always been a turn on for me to think about you experiencing pleasure. And um, even if that was from someone else. And that's that, how I feel. Yeah. I, I think that your life experience, that's why us talking about even past relationships never didn't bother us because it's like you are, you are who you are today because of all the past experiences and the whole, like the, the constant comparing and competing, you know, ourselves to someone else and, Oh, is this person better and this thing? This it's none of that really matters. If you are, if you are being yourself fully, if you walk in the bedroom 
and you are just you channel that sex goddess <laughs> and you're free and you have fun and you're not oh you know oh god don't look at this thing or like that yeah, if you're not nothing. in your head and you're in your heart space it's yeah. a completely different experience and that translates to everything in life we constantly compare ourselves to others we constantly think uh, in terms of wealth or in terms of accomplishment or in terms of feats of strength is he a better athlete than me or is she a better athlete than me and all these things and one of the keys to being happy in life is to to really just focus on yourself to be the best version mm -hmm. you can be of you and to not compare to other people yeah but i think one of the beautiful things in particular that open has showed me is if there's a reflection of if there if there is fear around you leaving me or him being better or him having a bigger cock or any of those things the flip side of that coin is how i view myself it's really what I think of myself. It's my own self-esteem. It's my own belief in my own skills. And I think that's such an important piece to understand. It's very hard to go through that fire and figure that out. And it only has happened through the fires that we figure this shit out. It's never happened in plant medicine ceremonies. It's only happened in this. And I'm not saying this is for everyone. I don't think ayahuasca is for everyone. But and I don't know that we'll do this our entire lives. I love the way we have it right now. And if it never changed, I would be fucking satisfied because it's amazing. And to be clear for people listening, Tasha's a boyfriend. I don't have a girlfriend. So yet, yet but I'm just saying like there, that's how good it is for me to say that. Yeah, sure. I'd like to have sex with other people. That's one of the reasons we started this. Novelty is amazing. But at the same time, Christian adds a piece to our lives that wasn't there before. And he's irreplaceable in many ways. And there's no reason for him to go anywhere but upward with us. Mm -hmm. Onward and upward, we go together as a tribe. And and to touch on the don't ask, don't tell, um, one of the beautiful things about being so open and communicating and sharing and being the teammates that we are is that I get to help. I get to help Kyle. I get to help you find a, a, another partner. I get to be, and then in turn, I get a girlfriend. I get a, a friend, a best friend, a family member, you know, sister. And being involved in that picking is nice. It's not just you showing up and look, this is who, and I'm like, whoa, I don't, I don't vibe with this girl at all. Or, you know, like it's, it's nice. Like if you and Christian you guys didn't really know each other when we, when I brought him over to kind of meet the family. He and I were just, I just hung out a few times um, in the sauna, did some sprints. That was his shtick. I didn't mean to do sprints. <laughs> he knew, he knew I like out. to run. Um, but if you guys didn't vibe, if you guys didn't build the friendship that you have now, this wouldn't be. Uh, coming into eight months, you know, like it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't feel comfortable. And I'm very sensitive to people's energy and their comforts and discomforts. So if I was hanging out with both of you in the house and it never went, it never got to the place that it is. And it just stayed like, are you happy? Are you happy? Is everyone, is everyone cool here? Then it, it wouldn't have worked. So that friendship, having the friendship with the other people involved and their feelings matter too. 
I think I'd seen a question someone asked, like, how do we handle other people, like the the other people that are involved? Christian's part of the family, like his his feelings, his needs, his wants. Like it's open communication. We are constantly, all three of us, checking in with each other. Yeah, and I think that it's in, it's inviting too. I mean, first of all, for better or worse you don't let shit fester. If something's mm, bothering you, nope. you're going to say it and speak <laughs> your mind immediately. And uh, there's there's certainly uh, pros and cons to that. More pros, definitely more pros and cons. But I never have to guess if you're in a good mood or not. I never have to guess if something's bothering you or not. And I think that invites all of us to come forward with how we feel, you know? And because it's never shunned away or, you know, like if you if you brought up to me how you're feeling and I just fucking blamed you for that feeling and didn't acknowledge it and didn't use nonviolent communication and just shit on your experience, that wouldn't go over very well. And if and that would not be inviting for Christian either to then speak his mind if he knew that I always reacted negatively to shit hitting the fan, as opposed to if I can remain soft and receive what you have to hear. And then even if there's, even if one of us isn't communicating with nonviolent communication for the other to use that, to decipher the code and understand and repeat back, this is what I'm hearing from you right now. What can I do to help? You know, what is mm-hmm. the need that I can, that I can hopefully fulfill for you to help make you feel better about the situation. And I think at every turn, we've given that permission for Christian and for anybody else to be able to speak freely about that. And his level, I mean, he's fucking 10 years younger than me, which was a huge hurdle for me to get over. Like, damn, he's young, he's in shape, all this shit. But he's so far ahead of where I was when I was that age. And he's come a long way, even just to eight months with how he won't let shit fester you know, and you can always tell, you can always dig it out of him if there's something he's trying to hold on to. But we always circle back upward. Even if Mm -hmm. there's one step back, there's two steps forward. And it's been consistently that throughout. So it's like an exponential curve of growth and love and communication that we all have. And it's really fucking rad. Yeah. Something I had told him in one of our first like official fights um, was, because he he had asked you like, hey, has Tasha always been really good at uh, working through things in the moment, not letting things fester and, and not holding on to things for days or just like go to sleep, wake up, pretend like it never happened. Let's move on with our life. You know, asking you if I've always been really good at it. And you said, no, he can thank you for that, that we've done the work. And um, it's true. We and did. I didn't, to be clear, I didn't fix you. You fixed no, you and we I both, fixed me. Together, right? we and, both yeah. wanted to be better at communication. And we both like through experience don't sleep at night. If we went to bed angry at each other or fighting and then we're just going to roll over and go to sleep, we aren't going to sleep. So even if we're up for another hour and a half, two hours working through it, we're going to do that. We're not going to go to bed mad at each other. Um, And one of the things I told him was what I like to do when I am annoyed or frustrated or mad at someone, you, Christian, it could be anybody, my mom, my sisters. I stop and I think, is this thing I'm mad about, does this mean I don't love them? Does this mean I don't love them anymore? No. Okay. So I can soften 
I can soften and I can talk. And I still have some work to do when it comes to the presentation of that softening and, and opening up the line of communication to talk about it. Um, but I, it, it's, it's a matter of, does this situation, this, this thing happening between us, does this mean I don't love this person? If not, then let's work through it. Let's get this behind us and move on and enjoy our day and enjoy however many days we have left together. It's not worth holding on to, holding a grudge, rehashing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so much better if we actually can. Just the, having the mindset to, to get through things together and to know that it is important to not let it sit but actually move through it. It's, it's, it reminds me of, you know, Parangi, and I've, I've said this a hundred times or more, but Parangi, when he talks about the Lakota, um, the story behind the buffalo, you know, and the buffalo sees the storm. They know they can't outrun it. The fastest way through the storm is to get shoulder to shoulder with their family and go head first into it. That's the fastest way through the storm. And that buffalo medicine, it's so important in life because that is how we should approach everything. You know, any difficult situation, if we turn away from it, it's just gonna last longer. But if we face it and move through it, that's the fastest way to get through it. And I think that's been such a, a critical piece to us being where we're at now. Yeah, yeah, and just looking at every experience as a, an experience to learn and grow and heal and, um, not making making life what you want it to be and not for us not just following with what the you know society tells us this is how you this is how a family should look this is what a relationship looks like this is what health looks like this is what you know just all of it it's it's knowing we live in a place and in a time where we can do whatever we want as far as how we live our life. Um, and neither of us really um, tolerate hatred and things like that on social media. But instead of, uh, so if anyone's listening and wants to write nasty things, you'll be blocked. I don't interact yeah. with it. I don't, it's, it's fine. You're fine to have your opinion and your beliefs, but I don't share any of my life with anybody to to try to convince anybody to do what I do or believe what I believe. This is just me sharing my story and my tools and yeah, um, and I think there there's an invitation that we don't have to agree on everything. Right. And there's so many friends this includes me and you. This includes friends and family members, we don't have to agree on everything. But if we can come to a place in our communication where we can hear each other, we can better understand one another. Mm -hmm. And I still don't have to change my position to agree with you, but I can at least understand you better. And from that understanding, I begin to know myself and get clearer about my own personal beliefs and opinions, and I can know you better as well. But it takes not wanting to sever that cord of communication or not saying, you know, I mean, I've had whenever anytime I post something about homosexuals <laughs> online, like uh, the fact that I support gay people and lesbian people, that I, that it it's 
It's O fucking K. It mm-hmm. is O K. And you will not burn in hell for that decision. Yeah. And you will not burn in hell for being born that way. You will not burn in hell for those things. I have a firm fucking belief in that. And that rubs a lot of people the wrong way because of what they were taught growing up, because of what the books they read said, because mm-hmm. of how their parents acted when they brought that up. And if they can't recognize that in themselves, that's okay. But at least recognize the fact that, hmm, if I disagree entirely and think gays are going to burn, maybe I say that in a way that's less aggressive, or maybe I just not say anything and uh, I can disagree, but I don't have to chime in, you know, and I don't have to block Kyle or stop listening to the podcast or stop listening to Tosh. I can just say, oh, okay, that's interesting. I disagree, but I'm still willing to listen because there are nuggets of things that I do want to try. And there mm-hmm. are nuggets of things that I do believe in. And then I, I know I've worked for myself. And I think that's a skill that we've lost in the social media era. You know, the troll era is in. And mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, Rogan talks about this. Can we teach kindness? You know, can we teach people how to communicate with one another? Like that's becoming a lost art that really needs to be rekindled. Yeah. Something I love that I got from yoga teacher training was if you cannot say it with kindness, don't say it at all. And that goes, that even, that applies to if someone's wronged you, if you cannot present your situation, your story with kindness, then don't say anything. Um, And the big, the big shift for me coming out of calling myself a Christian and moving into, I still believe in God. It's not the same picture that's described in the Bible, but we are all part of God, God energy. We are all part of that source and that source is love. That's all it comes down to. The source is love. And I did not, I realized through, you know, I can't remember when exactly was, if it was after my first ceremony or whatever, but I was believing out of fear. And I, and I very quickly was I don't want to, I don't want to believe something just because I'm afraid. And that's something I love about the 49th mystic by Ted Decker is just, it's beautiful depiction of that thought. Yeah. And if you're, you know, I I wanted to recommend, I'm happy you brought it up because I wanted to recommend those for anybody who is Christian or was Christian at a certain point in their life. I think that is one of the most fantastic books I've ever read from a Christian to describe what my understanding of God is and Mm -hmm. in the ways, and this isn't just like, I mean, confirmation bias. We look for the things out there that verify (laughs) our own beliefs, but uh, it extended and helped me understand in a deeper way what that picture is of God. Mm -hmm. And he has the 49th Mystic and Rise of the Mystics, a two-part book series. That's one of my favorite novels of all time. And then he also has The Forgotten Way, which I think is perfect for people who are balls deep in Christianity. Um, If you're an avid Bible reader and you are very much, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but very strong in your beliefs, to read The Forgotten Way, which uses a gang of quotes from the Bible Mm -hmm. and depictions and, and in his own understanding of what those meanings are, I mean, it changed the way I view Jesus. Obviously, Ayahuasca did that as well, but like very much. Christ is in my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the way that most people would say that. Yeah. So I think just also one last thing on that. 
when I became a parent, when I became a mother, the thought of like, if I, we've created this being, there is nothing, there's nothing Bear could do that would make us cast him the furthest away from us into fire and torture and suffering. Like, you legitimately have unconditional love for your child. That's unconditional love. That is source love for us. And there, there's so many, especially I, I have my entire family still religious and we still have lots of conversations. And um, for me, I, I've never felt closer um, to God and I've also never felt more peace in my own life and healing. My family's seen it too. And from the beginning of when I started doing plant ceremonies to now, the conversations they would have, the worry, the this, the that, and then just seeing the shift in me and how I interact with my mother and just them in general, it, they're, it's like they're not worried. They don't have that like... They don't really ask. Don't ask. Don't tell. I still tell. <laughs> um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to link to your socials in the show notes. Give my wife an amazing follow and let us know what you think at Kingsboo, at Natasha Kingsbury on IG and just uh, write us. We'll have social clips for this when it comes up. And we will also be partnering this with a Q&A. So we asked you guys to reach out. Any questions you have, we have a shit ton of great questions. So we're going to have to separate that podcast just due to time constraints. And we'll be releasing them both in the same week for people, maybe on the same day. But uh, thank you so much. I love you I love more you, than pal. you'll ever know, pal. You're amazing. I love you. Now we're going to do it. On the <laughs> After <table. work>. <laughs> <laughs> As all blocks in. All right, we're out. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Please click on our social media, especially Instagram and Twitter, where we are most active and give us a follow. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you have any questions, please hit us up and we will write you back. Thanks for tuning in.